Yeah, so I don't have a fun intro at all. All your intros are really fun. <laughs> I think because we talk about the the show mm-hmm. before we start recording. And in my mind, it's like, oh, no, I, we already know what we're talking about. We should just start doing words. Yeah. Anyway, welcome to Hardly Paranormal. I'm Jerry. I'm Lacey. Oh, you didn't mouth my name. <laughs> <laughs> I feel so left Aww. out. So, I'm going to stop saying so. So. <laughs> So today's episode is going to be a little bit different than normal um, in that we don't have a bunch of spooky things that happened. We have one spooky story that's come at the end of sort of a history lesson. Ooh. So what do you know about old-timey theaters? Literally nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Do you ever have that happen to you where... You suddenly start talking about a subject, and then you realize that for some reason you know a lot about that subject, but you don't know why. I don't know a lot about anything, so honestly, that doesn't happen to me. The Simpsons. Okay. Simpsons and Wayne's World Facts, yes. That's about it. (laughs) Sprinkle in some Forrest Gump, that's all I know. (laughs) As it turns out, while I was doing my research for this story, uh, I know a bunch about old um, movie houses and theaters. That's a very niche kind of... <laughs> it's a very particular <laughs> set of information, yes. So what we're going to be talking about is a theater that was in Chicago called the Iroquois Theater. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'll probably note that I said was because it is not there anymore. In the... Is it like in that Simpsons episode, Treehouse of Horror, where the, pe- where the Simpsons go and they are in that haunted house with the vortex and then it blows up because they don't want to live with them? Uh, this is going to be slightly dissimilar to what you just (laughs) described. So, uh, I mean, you basically know half the story right there. Oh, dope. (laughs) So the Iroquois Theater was built in 1903, uh, and some people said that it was hastily built. Uh, At the time, newspapers were hyping it up before its opening, talking about how it was the most extravagant, most elegant, most luxurious, best of the best theater in the world. Didn't we learn not to do that from the Titanic? Oh, baby, (laughs) there are so many similarities. (laughs) The theater at the time that it was constructed cost over a million dollars, which in this is 1903. And in today's money, it's a little bit under... Uh, $30 million in today's money. Holy hell. So before its first show, it opened in November of 1903, a Chicago uh, fire department captain made kind of an unofficial visit to the theater, and he noticed a lot of fire safety things that were not in place. Uh, The theater did not have clearly marked exits. It did not have sprinklers. It did not have emergency telephones. It did not have water connections of any kind. Um... A lot Did of it have thing. an iceberg? No iceberg. Um, it had plenty of lifeboats, which <laughs> Trey Bazaar. <laughs> That's so stupid. Water was the least of there. Uh, no, not the least. Fire, not water. Fire. We'll get to it. <laughs> so the captain mentioned this to the fire warden of the theater, and he basically said, "It's it is what it is." Um, <laughs> yeah, he essentially said that if he were to bring this to the owners, he would get fired so there's no reason for him to, to bring it up to them so fuck safety yeah yeah right like <laughs> screw the people i guess uh and so the fire captain who was not happy with that answer went to his commanding officer and said the same thing and the commanding officer said yeah if he brings it up he'll probably get fired it's a very expensive place by the way they've already got a fire warden so he was kind of telling this captain like mind your business you know it's top-notch 
uh, fire safety at the fire department in Chicago in 1903. I just want to throw out that fire warden is the most brutal occupation. Right? Really brutal sounding occupation. That's a D&D bad guy. Yeah. Now, an important thing to note about this theater and about the sort of blasé way that the fire warden approached safety. This is around 30 years after the Great Chicago Fire. So fire safety is something that was on the minds of Chicagoans. This was within living memory of this massive fire. Yeah. So you'd think they probably would have been a little bit safer when it came to those kinds of things. Well, there's no way it could happen again. (laughs) Well, one of the safety measures that they did have in place were these asbestos curtains that could be dropped very quickly. And at the time, they did not know that asbestos was (laughs) cancer-causing. Oh my goodness. Well, yeah, asbestos was put in all kinds of things because we didn't know how carcinogenous it was. Um, that's why it was in schools. It was everywhere. They didn't. All they knew was it was fireproof. So you, they, we, we found a material that was fireproof and we put it in every building because we were like, we don't want those to burn down. Do you think we have anything like that now? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Like essential oils <laughs> cause like leprosy. 5G. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. So these asbestos curtains were to drop so that they could kind of cordon off parts of the theater that were on fire and kind of contain the fire. There were also some um, vents. They were like windows basically in the ceiling of the theater to help ventilate the air to let out smoke and things like that. And these features alone caused one newspaper to describe the theater as absolutely fireproof. Going back to sort of your Titanic comment about how it was called unsinkable, I feel like any time the press gives a description like that to something, they have cursed it. Like, it now has to... The universe is, if anything, incredibly spiteful. (laughs) Um, So besides the the curtains and besides events, they did have fire extinguishers. There were six fire extinguishers in the theater, uh, and they were filled with a chemical called kill fire, which is another (laughs) awesome name. Band name, calling it. <laughs> yeah, band name, Kill Fire. <laughs> um, and Kill Fire was a dry chemical fire extinguisher. It was sort of like a white powder, and it was largely made up of sodium bicarbonate. And it was mostly used to put out, um, like, chimney fires in your house. It was a residential fire extinguisher. And it was a, a two-foot-long by six-inch tin canister, basically, that you would open up the end and you would reach in. And as per the instructions on the can, you would forcibly hurl the powder at the fire. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's pretty good stuff. I really like that. That this, Those instructions are, are wonderful. I'm going to ask that we implement that at work. <laughs> <laughs> so all these things in mind, I'm sure you can probably guess what's going to happen to the Iroquois Theater. So on December 30th of 1903, the Iroquois Theater um, had a matinee performance of a show called Mr. Bluebeard, which was a musical uh, that had come out of New York that was about a man who marries women and then murders them and and hides their bodies in a closet. Dope. Yeah, obviously fun for the whole family. (laughs) Um, The reason that that description of the the musical is so important is because during this particular show, which was sold out, they sold out and filled every single one of their 1,724 seats. They then. I'm hopeful that this is going to end with beautiful reviews of the play and everyone gets out safely. They also sold several hundred more tickets for standing room only. Uh, they standing room 
is basically like the back of the theater where there's space to stand. Mm-hmm. And these were so crowded and so full that people were sitting in the aisles blocking exits. Do you think that like like the Final Destination like demon or whoever runs that <laughs> section is like just rubbing his hands together like yes? Yeah, I mean this this really is a perfect storm for something bad to happen. Yeah. So during the second act, they had um, okay. So at the time. This theater um, being built when it was in 1903, so the late summer, early fall of 1903, is right before the cre- the um, what we call like the era of the movie palaces. In the UK, they were called picture palaces, and this was like from 1910 to like the 1940s. Uh, we actually have a movie palace here in town, the Fox Theater. Oh, like Lowe's in um, Ex- New Jersey. A hundred percent like the Lowe's Theater in New Jersey. Oh. They're these old big style movie houses that were um, dressed up in what was called an Oriental style. Mm-hmm. But it's not what we normally think of as Oriental. It was very uh, inspired by French, Romanesque, and Greek architecture. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, you see them, you can see that right away. This theater was built slightly before that time, but in a very similar style. Um, and that's very important because this was a lavish, gorgeous theater that uh, it was definitely style over substance, though. So during the second act, right after the second act, uh, they have these arc lights that uh, basically it's a light bulb. Uh, Arc light bulbs are the bulbs that came before incandescent bulbs. Mm -hmm. So instead of having a piece of filament that's lit up by electricity because it's heated, you'd have two pieces of metal within the bulb that have electricity literally arcing between them, creating light. (laughs) Yeah, again, sort of a perfect storm (laughs) situation. So one of these arc light bulbs was backstage up high. It had um, malfunctioned in some way, shorted out, and sparked against a drop cloth background that was made of mezzelin. Uh, mezzelin is like a cotton, kind of silky sort of material. Uh, it's, uh, it's made in Iraq. It's actually, I think, named for Mosul, where it comes from. And it is also crazy flammable. Of course it is. So this ignites into flame, and the backstage hands immediately start trying to put it out with the kill fire. The problem is, is it's very high up, so they're trying to throw a light powder up at a fire. And it's just uselessly falling to the ground, and it's not doing what it's supposed to do. And as they're realizing that this is the case, they're frantically trying to find ways to put it out. When the fire jumps up into uh, this sort of upper um, air galley, gallery, sorry, where there is several hundred square feet of flammable painted scenery backgrounds hanging. The backstage manager at the time, or the stage manager at the time, he quickly pulls the rope for one of the asbestos curtains to drop and contain the fire. And the asbestos curtain gets hung up on a light reflector that is sticking out from the, uh, there's these sort of like proscenium arches you know when you see a big theater Mm -hmm. from the stage there's those big arches on the ceiling yeah well there's a light reflector to help light it better that's sticking out and the curtain gets caught on it you know what probably would have been better sprinklers sprinklers yeah (laughs) most definitely and um actual fire extinguishers (laughs) yeah which did exist at the time oh i was gonna ask about that this was not an unreasonable thing yeah there were fire extinguishers there were sprinkler systems um there was a lot of things in place at the time that could have been in place at this theater, but it wasn't. Now, but it looked pretty, so that's nice. It looked pretty. It was very expensive. <laughs> now, there was a chemist who did an investigation after the fire was over. And one of the things that he investigated was the asbestos curtains. And he said that in a fire, these would be, quote, no use at all in a fire. Huh. 
Would you like to know why asbestos, a fireproof material, why a curtain made of that would be useless? I would love to know. Well, you might know that asbestos is not particularly flexible, so you might think it's a little hard to make a curtain out of it. It's not if you mix the asbestos with wood pulp. Oh my god. Which is what they did. It's like not even tempting fate at this part, or at this point. Like, it's just, like, you're flipping off fate. You're like, try it re- me. Oh, yeah, yeah. It reminds me of the Titanic when they had the bilge walls that were supposed to block off parts, mm-hmm. but they didn't go all the way up, because fuck safety. It feels like that. So, once that was found, basically, once they tried to lower the curtain and things were going poorly, um, Eddie Foy, who was a vaudeville actor at the time, who was in the show, he played Mr. Bluebeard, he made sure that his very young son was in the care of a stagehand, and then he ran out on the stage, and he started trying to direct people to the exits, keeping everybody calm, um, and he was leaving, what? Did they think it was part of the show? No, no, people oh, okay. understood, because by this time, people could see smoke. Oh, And he was later hailed as a hero because uh, he stayed very calm and very courageously directed patrons out, pleading with them to be, you know, careful, calm, and to Mm -hmm. to make the way to the exits while the stage was burning around him. That's brutal. It is. He was a very uh, badass guy. He also, he did survive also. Oh, good. Yeah, he did survive. Um, So did his child. And he was, um, he later wrote about his experience. And he wrote, quote, It struck me as I looked out over the crowd during the first act that I had never before seen so many women and children in the audience. Even the gallery was full of mothers and children. What you... No. (laughs) Yeah. So this show that was sold out, um, and the reason that I mentioned before what the play was actually about, or the musical, the audience was full of children. More children than they normally ever had at a show. This is, again, the perfect storm of tragedy. (laughs) I hate this story. Literally, and... the only way it could be worse is if every child held a puppy and a kitten in each of their <laughs> hands. So as the fire began to spread, the audience members on all levels um, heard the words of Mr. Foy saying, please calmly make your way to the exits. And they, of course, immediately panicked and started running. Now, one of the first problems they ran into was that none of the exits were labeled. Oh, my God. Some people ran deeper into the theater without even realizing that that's what they were doing. Some people were desperately trying to get doors open that had windows on them because they didn't know that it wasn't actually a door. It was just the way that they were trying to disguise the window by making it look like they were on doors. Some people found emergency exits hidden behind draperies that were hanging around the walls and could not open many of them because they had uh, bascule locks on them. And bascule locks are these sort of counterweight locks that are very secure. Uh, You normally see them on French doors. That's the ones that latch at the bottom. They have like a pedal at the bottom and then they latch. Oh, yeah. But this audience was, I mean, most Americans are kind of unfamiliar with them. I mean, you would have to take a few seconds to, to get it if you weren't familiar with it. Yeah. Probably a little harder when there's a fire and people are screaming around you. Um, many of the doors had to be forced open by brute force just to get out of the building. But most of them did not get opened because people could not open them. They couldn't figure them out. So when a lot of these um, emergency exits were found, um, people obviously flocked to them. During this time, while all that chaos is going on, the stagehands in the back opened the rear exit. There was one big rear exit in the back, and they were these unusually large double doors that were used for bringing in and taking out large scenery. So they opened these doors, and it's a chilly December afternoon, and a whoosh of cold air rushes into the theater. 
and now feeds the fire fresh oxygen. And the fire grows substantially and booms into the main theater area. And the fire is now well out of control. On the north side of the building, another set of doors like this has been found by some people. And they are pushing it, trying to open it. They finally get it open. Another gush of wind comes in. Now, normally, in a situation like this, where you have this big fire in a big theater, there's all these vents on the ceiling that mm -hmm. can be opened to allow the smoke and the fire to burn up and to go out of the building to help limit asphyxiation. The stagehands that tried to open these found that they were nailed shut. What the? And no one really knows why. So when the second set of large scenery doors were open, another boom of air came flying in, and it created a fireball that launched into the main gallery, and instead of going up where it should have gone with the vents, it was blown out and down and under all of the asbestos curtains that had been dropped. It then flew up over the gallery uh, in the balconies and incinerated everything and everybody that was in the second, uh, the two balconies that were above. While this is going on, the people in the first balcony and the second balcony rush down the stairs to escape, only to find an iron gate at the bottom of every stair that is locked. Because they locked those gates so that in between acts, people in the less expensive seats would not sneak down to the more expensive seats. And the ushers had already rushed out of the building. I feel like this is one of those, um, oh, what's that movie with the Nazis? Oh, uh, Inglorious Bastards? Yes, this feels like Inglorious Bastards, where, like, they're trying <laughs> to kill everyone in the theater. Well, those stairways with the gates is actually where most of the people died. Um, they were either asphyxiated by smoke and fire, or they were crushed to death. Some of the people actually made it out of the emergency exits that were on the, the different sides of the building only to find very narrow, very icy, unfinished fire escapes with no way to get down. Oh my god. And they either jumped or fell to their deaths. Some people jumped and survived because their falls were broken by the people who had jumped before them. I hate this story <laughs> so much. Now, there were several buildings around this building, and uh, there was a college that was right next door, and they put ladders out trying to help people across. And mm -hmm. some people did escape this way. There was one door that opened in, but the crowd had pushed against it, and they couldn't get it open. And a passing rail worker saw people struggling against the door, and he took his tools, and he tore off the hinges and freed all these people. When the fire department showed up, it was Engine 13. They only showed up because no one was able to call them, you see, because there were no emergency phones in the theater. The first stagehand to get out ran to the first firehouse he could find. They sent an engine, but they were unable to use the ladders uh, to help people that were trapped on the fire escapes because the alleyway behind the theater, Couch Place it was called, was filled with black smoke. So they couldn't see anything. They couldn't put anyone in there to try and help people who were jumping. They basically couldn't do anything except start pumping water into the place. Uh, the police got involved because a policeman saw people emerging. He was just on patrol, saw people emerging from the theater screaming and panicking. Several of them were on fire. And a lot of people got out. A lot of people escaped. Of the estimated 21 to 2400 people that were in the building, 600 of them died. This is not only the deadliest fire in a theater in the history of the world. It is the most deadly single building fire in the United States ever. And because of this fire, every single fire safety measure that you see in theaters today is there. Wow. Yeah crazy um and the manager of the theater this guy davis he was charged with criminal neglect once it was discovered that he was told about the safety issues but he was 
obviously acquitted. <laughs> what? Yeah, because he claimed that he was told by his fire warden that all of the safety measures they had were plenty. The safety warden told him that, or the fire warden, told him that those measures were plenty because he was afraid of getting fired if he said otherwise. I hate all of this. I know, it's the worst story. It's terrible. When the fire was over, the fire was extinguished, and they started the recovery effort, they could not enter through the normal entrances because there were bodies stacked 10 feet high at every exit because people were crawling over each other trying to get out and then would get asphyxiated. It was a pretty gnarly mess. They actually took the bodies out and laid them in the alley behind to be counted, identified, and that is why Couch Place, the alley behind there, is now colloquially known as Death Alley. This is worse than the dream demons. Yeah, this is a pretty bad one. It's pretty... I mean, I know that there's a bit of levity in my voice. I don't want anyone to think that I think any of this is funny. It's just... I am so uncomfortable with tragedy, my key instinct is to joke. Like, to protect me. <laughs> to protect my hurt little feelings. This That's is why I stick with the Jersey Devil and psychics. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, the important part about this is, obviously, we want to get to the, you know, the, the, the spooky. Where's the spooky here? I don't even want spooky anymore. I want a nap. <laughs> <laughs> so, the theater was rebuilt in 1926 as the Oriental Theater. Uh, Why tempt fate like that? (laughs) I know, right? Like, some bad mojo there. Why do that? Then the theater was renamed in 2019 to the Nederlander Theater after James Nederlander, who was a... uh, (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) I know. I'm happy that it got a silly name. (laughs) But uh, James Nederlander was an impresario in the the city that owned lots of theaters and just named for him. You think I know what that word means? It's a, it's a theater person who owns the theaters. Okay, thank you. <laughs> um, I can't be the only one dumb one out there, okay? <laughs> uh, again, I, uh, in, the, in the research for this episode, I found that I knew a lot about old-timey theaters. <laughs> Dorkiest thing. Yeah. My stomach. <laughs> that was a fart. That wasn't was your not. stomach. I'm going to listen back to it later <laughs> and prove that it was a fart. <laughs> so... The alley behind this place, like I said, has a pretty crazy reputation now because it's where lots of these bodies were laid out to be identified and and such. And there are photographs of that. You can find, I've seen them. I decided not to include them because they are pretty dark, but there are photographs. And this is a podcast. And this is a podcast. Well, I meant like um, (laughs) on the social medias. Um, But the alley is now frequented by actors and stagehands and people searching for the paranormal because it is still behind a working theater. Uh, the Nederlander Theater does musicals, they do plays, and it's a historic theater now. It's it's a historic landmark. Not just because of sort of what it's on top of, but some of the greatest actors of our time have worked there. Uh, do they claim that it's fireproof now? Or are they letting that go? I think they just don't bother tempting fate. Like, <laughs> I think it's... You don't want to... You don't want to, like, put a boat out there and you're like, even better than the Titanic! Like... <laughs> You just go like, it's a theater, that's good enough. Side note, wasn't this supposed to be a second Titanic? No, I think there was a movie called Titanic 2. No, there was like another boat that they were making. I think they uh, decided that that was a terrible idea. Yeah. Also, who's buying tickets to go on the second Titanic voyage? I mean, I probably would, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. You're ridiculous. (laughs) Mm. Sorry, I just got swept up in you wanting to ride on the Titanic. I would bring my own life vest. That's so stupid. 
Jack didn't have a life vest, but he was in the water, and a lot of people froze to death in the water. Well, I could get an inflatable raft. I feel like it would get stolen from you. Like, the first person to come up and ask for it, you would be like, oh, yeah, here you go. (laughs) (laughs) You would get out of a boat if someone asked you to. Like, can I sit? You're like, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. And then you would just freeze to death. I hate how true that is. You would freeze to death going, oh, work and no play makes Homer something something. (laughs) And you know what? It'd be on my tombstone. It'd be my greatest achievement. (laughs) high-fiving yourself in the afterlife oh i would i would do that if 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 ghosts are real i'm gonna obviously check when i die i'm gonna (laughs) try and find out i hope i die with at least one hand up because if i come back as a ghost i'm gonna go right over to my body and i'm gonna (laughs) high-five myself (laughs) that has nothing to do with what we're talking about (laughs) i'd rather talk about this than what you're talking about yeah so now we're gonna talk about the less tragic and now we're gonna talk about the spooky okay So people that go in this alley have claimed there is all kinds of paranormal activity. If, yeah, I mean, like, if there were paranormal activities, it'd be here and the last two places we talked about. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, They hear things like whispers uh, in the alleyway. Some people claim that there are hands that will grab at you and tug at you. Some people hear the cries of children. Oh, I don't like that. Some people hear banging on the walls of the uh the Nederlander theater as though it's the people still inside trying to get out some people say that you can see your breath no matter what time of year it is like the people on that december afternoon would have and other very spooky things like that and i actually have a story i found from someone who worked at the Nederlander theater before it was called that would you like to hear her spooky story. I don't know. I th- it's actually kind of spooky. It's actually, I don't usually, I don't usually go for these kinds of stories. Um, mostly because I, as I'm listening to them, instead of like getting swept up in the the theater of the mind and, and letting myself get scared, I think to shield myself from being afraid, I'm just analyzing every part of the story and deciding why I don't believe it. To be fair, you do that when everyone's talking. What'd you say? <laughs> <laughs> I almost fall for it every single time. It's been like 11 years. So this was in early 2002. And this is, her name is Allison. And this is her story. It's very short. Wait, so when was this written? Um, I don't know when this was written. I did not remember to look at that. Well, I mean, like, it be- before it became the... Niederhosen. So it was the Oriental Theater from 1926 until 2019. Okay, I'm with you, I'm with you. Yeah. I had walked down that alley a thousand times and always felt uneasy, even in the middle of the day. Like I was being watched. I knew the history of the alley and the building because I'm a Chicago native and we all know that story. Maybe that's why the alley made me uncomfortable. Maybe I was just in my head too much when I was there. One evening I was going to work to help with rehearsal when I suddenly felt very cold like a blast of cold air had run down the alley. Chicago is normally pretty chilly, but it was July, and even for Chicago, this was unseasonably cold. I then knew I was being watched. I could feel eyes on me from somewhere, but it's not a big alley, and it's easy to see if someone else is around. I started to walk again when I heard a baby crying, and I turned around, but the sound had stopped. I then heard someone whisper, Allison, in my ear, like they were right next to me. I jumped and started to move again, but then a hand grabbed my arm. I screamed and ran to the back door and inside. I did not use the rear entrance after that. Cheesy crazy. 
Yeah, like, I think someone might have been trying to mug her. Oh, maybe. <laughs> someone who knew her name. Or, because she doesn't say that she turned and looked. Mm-hmm. So someone's just like, Allison, and she gets to, she goes to walk off, and they grab her arm, and she doesn't look. She just runs and screams. I pretty much do that with any social interaction, so I mean, like, I get it. <laughs> Anytime someone's like, Lacey, I'm like, I'm gone! It's a ghost! <laughs> so, what do you think about her story? And just the phenomena that's been reported in the area since then. I hate this. I hate this whole thing. <laughs> See, this is what happens when I pick the topic for the episode. Yeah, like, I want, like, gay love icon Jersey Devil. <laughs> Not like, I'm gonna have a panic attack after this. It is very scary, though. Yeah, I mean... I'm interested to go there and see what it feels like. Yeah, in the Nederlander movie, or no, I almost said movie theater, the Nederlander theater, they do show movies. They have a screen they pull down and you can watch like old movies there. Oh, that's what Lowe's does too. Yeah, and I think that's a really cool thing. And I would love to go there just because it's a historic theater. I mean, mm-hmm. and go check out that alley. I mean, that seems like a really cool place. Um, I don't think that people really hear the things that they say they hear. Um, whispers, I can believe that because it's a big alley voices can carry from the street and kind of echo down and kind of sound like whispers uh her hearing her own name though that's spookular i don't really know but yeah that's a little crazy uh, but i think everything else that people are experiencing in the alley whether it's the hands or the the laughter of children i think that that's they're primed you know what i mean it's a location mm-hmm. where a tragedy happened they're primed for spooky they get there and the moment anything slightly weird happens they're like oh spooky that's what it is I think, like, the way that I think ghosts would work if they were real, like, the... The mechanics of being a ghost. Yeah, like, the imprints and, like, kind of recordings. I would believe most, like, about this. Like, Mm -hmm. that's the kind of ghost that I think would exist. Oh, yeah. So, I would be most... I would believe most in this one. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Kind of like the the, the the spooky island from last episode, like, yeah. if anywhere is going to be haunted kind of thing. Yeah. And I think a lot of people have that same view of ghosts that you have. And I think that's why the paranormal phenomena that's being um, talked about, that's being tied to this area, is what it is. That's why it's the crying of children, because some children may have died there. That's why it's the banging on the walls, because we know that people were trapped inside temporarily. Yeah. Uh, it. It, when you hear the tragedy that happened here, you start to think like, oh, well, of course there's going to be ghosts. And this is what those ghosts are going to do because they're going to imprint, like mm-hmm. you were saying. So I, yeah, I'm on the same boat where I'm like, yeah, I bet it's, uh, <laughs> I bet it's it's probably, if there's ghosts, that's a place where there's ghosts. Want to know what I learned today, though? Yes, obviously. Don't tempt fate like this. <laughs> Don't say uh, something's unsinkable. Don't say something can't be set on fire. Like... Yeah, it's definitely like a Titanic type of situation where the newspapers sensationalized it. It was also thought to be the most elegant and luxurious, best of the best theaters. Just like the Titanic was the largest and most luxurious ocean liner. You're always going to get your comeuppance. That's like I'll never, ever lie and say that my car is not working or something. Like I can't come <laughs> to work or like I have a stomach bug. Because that day I will get a stomach bug or my car will break down. <laughs> like you don't, you don't mess around with that stuff. Paranormal stuff aside, just historically... You could make a case that the universe is very spiteful. Yeah. The universe will totally come after you 
if you say something like, oh, it's absolutely fireproof, the universe is like, oh, well, this son of a bitch is trying to... The universe is Zeus. The Zeus universe is, is Zeus, yeah. <laughs> That's exactly it. The universe is Zeus. But I don't think it's haunted. I don't think there are ghosts there. I think it is a tremendously interesting and tragic story. And it's a very big part of Chicago history, but it's also a big part of American history because how we treated public buildings completely changed after this we realized that like because the chicago fire was a big tragedy and they did change fire safety after that but this was you know sort of a a reminder that we had not done enough you know Mm -hmm. and even more changes were made and i mean now you know every building you go into there's fire safety stuff everywhere. I sure hope so. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. I mean, it doesn't matter what kind of building it is. Any building you go into, there's fire safety everywhere. And it's because of stuff like this. Uh, I like that the city of Chicago has not ever really forgotten about it. Mm-hmm. That it's woven into the tapestry of the city. Not just in, you know, obviously it was a historic and tragic event. But the fact that the alleyway behind the place. Because, by the way, there is no memorial there. Weird. There's no memorial in the alleyway saying anything about the Iroquois Theater or saying anything about the the hundreds of people that died, which I I also thought was very odd. Um, Where we grew up, there's a park where a guy was hung during the Revolutionary War because he was a traitor. And there's a memorial to him there. It's called Huddy Park. It's named after Joseph (laughs) Huddy. Like, it's ridiculous. But here, we're in this big accident. Nothing. Um, but I like that even the scary stories, the ghost stories that are told about this alley, whether or not they're true, they weave this into the, you know, the culture of Chicago and what it is. I hope the tapestry that's woven into isn't made of asbestos. Asbestos mixed with wood pulp. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe that. That's absolutely the dumbest thing I'd ever heard. Like, what, what, pro- what company was like, oh, we're going to make these wonderful fireproof asbestos curtains. Like, we mix them with balsa wood. It's like, <laughs> what? <laughs> you don't mix a flammable thing with uh, your fireproof stuff. That's a very bad idea. Yeah. That's totally crazy. Like I said, this was different from a lot of other episodes we do because it was more of a history lesson. Mm-hmm. It had some spooky attached to it. Obviously, it's <laughs> Lacey's traumatized by the story. We're going to do something ridiculous next week i'm picking i'm so excited i'm picking the silliest thing i'm so excited if you have any suggestions please email us at harleyparanormal at gmail.com yes please please (laughs) email us your goofiest paranormal story and we will do it next episode because Lacey is all about the goofy spooky (laughs) this is why i keep asking you to come up with a topic Yours is like sleep demons that we couldn't even publish. We couldn't even publish it because it was too dark. It's because when I start to do my research, I put on like the cure and I I wear all my black makeup and my my black shroud of death. So I listen to like Harley Poe and like the Pixies. So it's... (laughs) Nope, not me. (laughs) Like one of my jams is um, transvestites can be... No, transvestites can be cannibals too. Like that's Great the kind song. of jams that I listen to <laughs> when I look up my stuff. So yeah, that's a good song. So so I actually have a recommendation that comes with a little shout out. <laughs> Ooh, fancy and different. The whole episode is different. Um, <laughs> but this is a lot more happy. This is a lot more happy and a lot more funny. <laughs> so if you like funny things and you don't like tragic things, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> This will hopefully make up for it. There is a new podcast 
that has just come out called Full Movie Podcast by the hilarious Matt and Freya. I was sold based on their promo. Like, the promo's like a minute long, and I was like, yes. Yes, the promo is everything. It is so funny. They have two episodes out right now. Um, It's basically these uh, two folks that go ahead and take a fun look at some older movies that you might have forgotten about. They are hilarious. And I love listening to... I've listened to each episode like six times because they're only like 15 minutes long. Yeah, the first... Or the only first two. Like, I at work just kept replaying them. (laughs) Yeah, because it feels like you're just listening to two of your friends bullshit about movies. Be friends with us. (laughs) (laughs) But they're just getting started out and they're off to a killer start. So please go give them a listen to. It's full movie podcast. They're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. They're basically everywhere that you can find us. But um, if you want to cleanse your palate after this, you can go listen to <laughs> Yes, <there. laughs> that is a great idea. If this episode left you feeling down in the dumps, you can either <laughs> A, go listen to The Cure and make it worse, <laughs> or go listen to Full Movie Podcast. They will perk you up 100%. It is like a shot of espresso, I promise you. That's what I'm doing after this. <laughs> yeah, me, me too, 100%. <laughs> And if you like this episode, you can follow us on Twitter at Hardly Paranormie. We're also on Facebook. We have a Facebook group uh, called Hardly Paranormal because we are extra creative when it comes <laughs> to naming things. You can like and join that Facebook group. I highly recommend that you do. We have a lot of nice people there and we post some stuff over there sometimes. <laughs> We're also on... Oh, I said that weird. <laughs> I said... You know what happened is I had a weird itch and I scratched it and then it just threw the whole thing off. Look like you're grabbing your nipples. I was like, what is going on? I said here? I was scratching an itch. I didn't say where it was. Uh, we're also on Instagram at Hardly Paranormal. I'm probably most, um, I post the most things on Instagram because I don't understand Twitter and Facebook also confuses me. I'm like 58 years old. <laughs> But you can like us, subscribe to our podcast. If you use CastBox, you can subscribe there. You can follow us on Spotify. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And please, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts because it really does help us out a lot and it helps us reach more people like you. Uh, and if you if you thought this episode was sad and you want to make more people sad, please go leave us a review <laughs> so more people can find it and get bummed out. <laughs> uh, and if you have any questions or comments or... If you want to send us suggestions like the silliest paranormal story you know, you can email us at hardlyparanormal at gmail.com. Or leave us a message on Instagram. Yes. You know where to find us. You can leave us a message on Instagram. Yeah, we're uh, we're usually um, posting really sad poems and quotes from The Crow. <laughs> we listen to Taking Back Sunday on a loop. On a, on a loop? Like, it's playing in my head right now. <laughs> you better make damn speak. sure. <laughs> oh, oh your true colors have just come out and they are gothic black <laughs> all my eyeliner and purple hair just sprouted back out <laughs> sprouted out mine's in my purse <laughs> you're so last summer <laughs> oh my god it's relentless <laughs> so until next time i've been jerry she's been lacy and remember It's probably just the wind. I'm not okay.